The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. All right, well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good, good. You know what? The 10 a.m. was so quiet this morning. There's a lot of expectation on you today. Let's not be quiet. Let's engage. It's post-Easter Sunday. This is awesome. But I think there's some people at Endgame. Have you seen Endgame yet? Anybody seen Endgame? I cannot believe that Thanos gets obliterated. Can you? Oh, wait a minute. I don't even mean to say that. I just get. I don't I have no clue. I have zero clue whether or not he does. Hey, I'm glad you're here at church this morning. It's going to be a great morning. We've already had a a great morning at our early service, and uh, today we get the privilege of finishing off our series we've called I Am. If you bought a Bible today, go ahead and open it up to John chapter 15, John chapter 15 this morning, and we're going to finish off our seventh week of the series we've called I Am. Um, I don't think we mentioned it, but uh, we're a portable church. I don't know if you know this or not. We're a mobile church. We set up every single week, meaning we're we're in a rented facility, and uh, there are some weeks we come in and we're not sure what we're going to get. And so we didn't build the stage for our band this morning. Uh, there's actually production going on, and so occasionally uh, there are things out of our control. But. Uh, On that note, this Wednesday, I'm filming a video for our church to give you an update on our property in downtown Burbank. If you're a partner at Story City Church, you've gone through the partnership class, Discover Story City, you've submitted application for that, you're going to get an email from me pretty soon telling you what's going on with our property, and we're excited about that. But for now, we're in a portable space. We're grateful for it. God is good, and he is doing some really good things in our church. Amen? Amen. Hey, let's pray together before we jump into John chapter 15. God, this is your morning. This is your word, your church, and your people. And God, we need you to speak to us, not another religious activity today. But God, I'm so excited for the word that you have for us through John chapter 15, your very words that you spoke. So teach us, instruct us, move us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen and amen. Hey, have you ever had this experience? You're talking on the phone and you're going through this story. Maybe you're talking with a good friend and you're telling this story. It sort of sounds quiet. And all of a sudden your phone starts buzzing and it's the person that you were talking to and telling the story. You're like, wait a minute, what did you hear? What did you miss? You got disconnected. Anybody ever had that experience before? So frustrating. I hate getting disconnected on my phone. Sometimes I'm pulling out of my driveway. Maybe you've had this happen before. Um, Maybe you're leaving your apartment and you're three bars on your Wi-Fi, go down the one bar. It happens to me when I'm like four houses away from my house. My phone won't dial, internet won't work, I cannot pull up Apple Maps, my phone won't work because it's disconnecting from Wi-Fi. Anybody have that experience? So frustrating, right? This week marks 33 years where engineers were performing a very poorly designed test at this nuclear facility that we know as Chernobyl. History tells us one of the most significant errors in their test was that they disconnected the emergency safety systems, they disconnected the power regulating system, and the result was what we now know was a meltdown. Eventually, that reactor, nuclear reactor, blew the roof off of the steel and the concrete. History tells us 50 tons of radioactive material went as far, was carried as far in the atmosphere all the way to Eastern Europe. In the moment when it happened, 32 people died. History tells us as many as 5,000 people eventually died from cancer as a result of that meltdown. 
History also tells us millions of people had their health negatively affected because of the meltdown. Why? Because they disconnected. The emergency safety systems, the power regulating systems, how important is a strong connection in life? How important is it? Sometimes a strong connection is the difference between getting directions, right, and getting lost. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes in life, a strong connection is the difference between access to power and the energy required for an explosion that affects people in significant ways. I think Chernobyl is a great illustration for us this morning as we walk into John 15. A great illustration about the power, the possibilities, the potential of what can happen when we don't stay connected. In John chapter 15, this is the last I am statement that Jesus is going to make. If you've been here for the last six weeks, we've heard Jesus make some pretty important statements. If you're not a believer this morning, you're not a Christian, maybe you're here, we're glad you're here, you're just checking out church and Jesus and what uh, he may have to say to you, I believe the most important I am statement to you this morning is when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you're a believer this morning, I believe this statement that Jesus is about to make in John chapter 15 is the most important statement for you. And Jesus says in this passage, I am the vine and you are the branches. Jesus is going to say the most important thing in life is to abide. Let me give you a definition of abide. It's going to be on the screen. I want you to take some notes this morning. I really think this is going to be good for you, and I hope it's going to help you. But abide simply means to remain in the same place over a period of time. Here in John chapter 15, Jesus is going to say, abide in me. And when Jesus says, abide in me, what he is saying is, you should allow your mind, your will, and your affections. The three things that are affected when Jesus saves us are mind our will, and our affections, when he says, abide in me, you allow those three things to remain, listen, to consistently remain in the same place with Christ and his word. Can I say this? I I believe one of the primary challenges in the Christian life, if you're a believer and you know Jesus, I believe one of the primary challenges in our life as believers is to just stay connected to Jesus. Do you agree this morning? So, so, so challenging for us. Jude chapter one, verse 21 says, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Do you live in such a way consciously this morning? Do you live in such a way where you're consciously aware of God's love for you, his mercy towards you, his grace towards you? If you do, Jesus is going to say here in John chapter 15, the byproduct of that is fruit in your life. What is fruit, Pastor Matt? It's not just the outward things that come from being a Christian, like I attend church, I I give money to my church, I go to a community group, I'm around other believers. But according to Galatians chapter 5, there's also internal fruit that's affected 
from abiding in Jesus. And what does Galatians 5 says? That internal fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Jesus says, when you abide in me, there is fruit both external and internal. If you abide in me, if you just stay connected to me, you will experience this fruit. But this is what I have learned and experienced and seen from many years in ministry and speaking into the life of people spiritually. When you live in a place of broken fellowship with Jesus. You need to hear this this morning. When you live in a place of broken fellowship with Jesus, all of those things that Jesus talks about, those fruits, those external fruits, those internal fruits, when you live in a place of broken fellowship with Jesus, those things don't have the soil in which to thrive. Are you living in a connected relationship with Jesus day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment, such that your mind, your will, your affections are connected to Jesus, are filled with Christ? If you're not this morning, if you're not in that place, in many years of ministry, I would say... The, the greatest experience that I've seen in the life of Christians is this challenge of staying connected to Jesus. If you're not in that place this morning, what keeps you from being disconnected? What's keeping you from being disconnected? Well, according to our passage this morning, John chapter 15, Jesus is going to sort of lay out a few things, four things, in fact, in the first five verses that I would describe as these primary disconnectors, these primary disruptors in our life from being connected with Jesus. Got something right with. I really want you to take some notes this morning. John chapter 15, starting in verse one. These are the red letters. This is, these are words that Jesus has spoken this morning, and I want you to hear them. John chapter 15, verse one. Jesus says, I am the true Vine, it's such an important adjective that Jesus adds on to his description of who he is. He says, I am the true vine. He goes on to say in the second half of verse one, and my father is the gardener, the vine dresser. Now, I'm not an arborist. I'm not a botanist. I'm not even sure if those are the right words, but I am smart enough to tell you this morning, I'm smart enough to know that fruit grows on living vines, not on dead vines. Do you agree with that this morning? Fruit grows on living vines, not on dead vines. Jesus uses this adjective here, and he says, I am the true vine. I think it's so important that he throws this adjective in. And if you have been around church, and if you read this passage, probably if you're a believer, you've read this so many times, and you skip right past this description that he gives himself. I am the true vine, meaning if there is a true vine, there must be a what? A false vine. What are false vines, Pastor Matt? False vines are those things, anything that we believe gives us purpose and meaning and joy and satisfaction that are not God. Can I say to you this morning, the fruit of an abiding relationship with Jesus cannot grow on a false vine. Maybe those things are jobs. Maybe those things are people. Whatever those things are, maybe some of those things are, are taking root in your life and they're taking more time in your life. They're taking more energy in your life. They're taking more of your life, taking more effort from your life. And maybe there's some false vines in your life and you're beginning to say, you know what? I just don't have time for church. I just don't have time 
for God's people. I just don't have time for community. I just don't have time for God. And little by little by little, those things become your vine. And then you start looking to that person. You start looking to that thing. You start looking to that adventure. You start looking to that job. You start looking to that status as something to give you purpose and meaning and joy. And when they disappoint you, you're devastated. And maybe that false vine is the approval of a boss. Maybe it's the approval of a parent. And when those people and those things approve you, you're on the mountaintop. And when they disapprove of you, you're totally deflated. Maybe a false vine for you this morning. I know it is in LA. Maybe a false vine for you is your job. It's your job. Maybe it's taking so much of your time, so much of your energy, and you can identify with that idea that little by little, it's sucking the life out of you. I recently had a conversation with someone in our church, my wife and I did, and I was so encouraged, so inspired to hear her story. Like many of you, she came to L.A., She came to LA to work in the industry. She got a great job on a very prominent TV show and she's been promoted and promoted and promoted. And recently she was offered another promotion and she did not sign the contract until the big boss of the show pulled her in and said, why haven't you signed the contract? And she said, she told us this story just a week ago. "I, I have not signed it because there are things in my life that this job is taking away from me. And she literally said to her big boss on this very secular TV show, it's taking away from my church. It's taking away from people that I love. It's taking away from volunteering in our youth ministry. And he said to her, she said, he said to her, well, what will it take for you to sign this contract? And she said, I'll tell you what it'll take. It's like this, 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 and this. I've got to be, I've got to have time off on this day so I can be at my church. I've got to have time off on this day so that I can volunteer with kids. I've got to have this thing so that I can spend time with people who I love. And I was so inspired, so encouraged by her because she's committed to staying connected to the true vine. Can I encourage you this morning and say, don't lose sight of who Christ is to you. Don't lose sight of who Christ is to you because fruit will grow on a living vine, not on a dead vine. And Jesus is going to say one of the primary disruptors in staying connected to him is depending on false vines for purpose and meaning. Primary disruptor number one, false vines. False vines. Then in verse two, Jesus has this next idea of this disruptor that'll keep you disconnected from him. He says in verse two, he, meaning God, goes back to the second half of verse one, who's the vine dresser, who's the gardener. God is the gardener. He says, he will cut off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Now listen, this is the direct meaning. You'll see it later in the passage if you read this later on in verse seven. This literally means those who are not in Christ, those who have not been saved, those who have not trusted themselves to Jesus for salvation, the scripture says God will cut them off. Now listen, here's another theological statement. That doesn't mean you're cut off forever. That means if you do trust your life to Jesus, theologically, biblically, the scripture says God will graft you back in. But if you don't know Jesus, it says God cuts you off. That's the first half of the verse. He refers to this concept of bearing fruit. And then he goes on to say, while every branch that does bear fruit, listen to what he says, underline this, God prunes it so that it will be even more fruitful. This is so good. Even if you've been a believer for a long time, we believe 
Theologically, as we read the scripture, we believe that, that, that faith, we are justified by faith alone. That's what Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says. But faith, listen to me, church, is never alone. Your faith that justifies you produces in you Christ-honoring character. It produces fruit that can always be seen. Look at your life. Take an inventory of your life. Can I ask you, have you noticed progression in your life over however many years you think you have been a Christian? Have you noticed you growing in joy? Have you noticed yourself growing in peace, love, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control? Have you noticed a growing love for his church and his body? Have you seen your faith progressively go? Have you seen this progression of your faith? Are you growing in fruitfulness in Christ? Pastor Matt, honestly, I don't really know. I don't really know. I mean, I know more Bible verses than I did 15 years ago. I serve on a servant team. I'm more consistent in church. I give money during the tithes and offerings time. I don't know. I mean, I'm not really sure if I'm progressively growing in my faith. Can I say to you this morning, please beware. This may be evidence that you're not connected to the true vine. Maybe evidence that you don't have a real relationship, a saving relationship with Jesus. What it may indicate is that you've got religion on the outside, but you don't have saving faith on the inside. You don't have the substance on the inside. And what you need is to be connected to an abiding relationship with Jesus. I hear this so frequently, and this passage is so applicable to us this morning. I just, I've been in worship, Pastor. I just don't feel, I see other people raising their hand. I just don't feel like that. I, I, just, I, I don't see the fruit of my life like those other people. Can I ask you, are you in an abiding, a consistently remaining in the same place with your mind, your will, and your affections? Are you remaining in the same place over a period of time with Christ and his word? If you have, but it's just been a dry season, well, maybe you need to reconnect to Jesus. But if you never have, maybe it's an indication that you've never been connected to the true vine this morning. That's the first half of verse two. That's the warning that Jesus gives some of us this morning who came to church. Have you ever been saved by Jesus? And if you have, the second half of verse two is for you. If you have been connected to Jesus, listen to what he says. While every branch that does bear fruit, listen, the gardener, God himself, the vine dresser, he prunes it. Why? So that it'll be even more fruitful. Pruning is this idea. I've got a, we've got a gardener at our home. He comes every single Thursday. We've got several, one tree in our yard that we recently cut down. But before we did, he would occasionally prune it as it would bloom. He would cut it back. And I know this, this idea of pruning is when the gardener comes in and he cuts things back. Now listen, this verse tells us if you're not in Christ, the gardener cuts you off. That doesn't mean you're off forever. He can graft you back in if you trust your life to Jesus. But if you are a believer, the scripture says he also cuts you. He also, he also trims it up. This idea of cutting, this idea of loss in your life. Have you, have you ever lost something? Something you've lost. Have you ever lost someone? Lost my dad this week on Friday. 20 years my dad passed away to the day. Have you ever lost someone in your life? Have you ever lost something in your life, a job, a friendship? 
Lost, have you lost something in your life? And then you wonder, why, God, would you allow this to happen to me? Why, God, would you allow me to lose this? Why did I lose this person, this thing? Have you ever had the experience of loss and wondered, God, do you really love me? God, do you really care about me? Can I say to you this morning, if, if you've never, maybe you're young, maybe you're a young believer. The older I get, the more I lose. I have more of these experiences of loss. Maybe you're young this morning. You've never experienced loss in your life. Everything's been great. Can I say to you, at 41 years old, in the last four and a half years, my wife and I have lost significantly some things in our past, relationships in our past, things that brought us joy in our past. And, and in that moment, when we lose things, people and things and things that we depended on, in that moment, there's a tendency, listen to me, to distance ourselves from a connection with God. You say, Matt, this morning, I've got a barrier in my life over something that I've lost. This is the second barrier that Jesus gives us. Disconnect number two is lost. Can I say to you this morning, do not allow your understanding of pain and loss or your misunderstanding to disconnect you from Jesus. Think about this illustration that Jesus is giving. Jesus is such a great, he's the best storyteller of all times. He's given us this visual illustration of pruning. Think about this idea of pruning for a moment. Pruning, bear with me, this is so good, reduces the size of the plant above the ground, get, track with me for a moment, without reducing the size of the plant below the ground. Pruning eliminates what can be seen so that what cannot be seen can grow stronger. The inevitable result, the inevitable result of pruning is that even though the outside may look smaller, the inside is actually growing bigger so that the outside can eventually experience more growth. There's the outside person you see you see these things in you. You see these things in other people. But there's also the inside of the person that you do not see that God is interested in growing. And sometimes, listen to me, God takes away some things on the outside so that he can multiply what's growing on the inside. Do you hear me this morning? We will never, ever understand We'll never understand all the pain and the loss that we experience throughout the course of life. But if you would just understand this morning that staying connected to Jesus during your pain and loss, if you would stay connected during those times, God will grow your peace, your joy, your love, your patience, your goodness, kindness, faithfulness, your self-control. He takes away these things on the outside sometimes so he can multiply what's going on on the inside. That's what he says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Ephesians 3, 16 says, I pray that out of the glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. Where? In your inner being. When you trust God with loss and pain in your life, can I say to you this morning, he will grow you. That's the second disconnecting point here this morning. The first is false vines. The second is loss. Then read with me in verse three. 
Jesus inserts this sentence and it seems totally disconnected, but it's so good and it's a great indicator of what can disconnect us from a relationship with him. He says in verse three, if you have something to write with, underline this word, you are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Disconnect number three is this concept of shame. It's this concept of shame. If you've ever spent time trying to stay connected to Jesus, you're probably pretty familiar with this third enemy. In fact, it's really very subtle. In fact, the third enemy is this thing inside of you that tells you you are not close. You are not accepted. You are not worthy. You are not lovable. Look who you've been. Look where you've been. Look at your past. Look what you did this morning. Look what you did yesterday. Look what you're thinking about doing tomorrow. How can you have a close relationship with God? Don't you see these other people that seem to have all this fruit in their life, and yet you have none of it? You are not lovable. You don't pray enough. You don't love enough. Do you really think God can accept a person like you? This third enemy, this third enemy will try to connect you and your soul to shame. Can I say to you this morning, Jesus came to silence that shame. When Jesus came and he experienced a gruesome death he did not deserve, he was put in a grave that was borrowed. On the third day, he rose again. He overcame death and sin and shame, and he came to silence that shame in your life. And I want to say to you this morning, if you're in Christ, you are already clean if you've trusted your sins to Jesus. And what the scripture says, what we talked about last week, is not only that Jesus forgives you of your sins, wipes away the clean slate, it also means that he assigns his perfect goodness, his righteousness to you. And he says, you are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Pastor, what's the word that he's spoken to us? This is not logos. This is not this definition of Jesus being the eternal word. This is the word rhema, meaning this is the actual word that he's spoken to you. What word has he spoken? Well, John chapter 3, verse 16 is a great word that he's spoken to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that if you would believe in him, if you would believe in him, listen to me, if you would believe in him, you will not perish, but have everlasting life. Christ took your place. He forgave your sins. He washed away those sins. He assigned his goodness to you, his righteousness to your account. And when he overcame the grave, he overcame death. He overcame your sin. He overcame your shame. And he put life into your heart forever. Can I say this to you if you're a Christian this morning? Some of you walk around and all you can think about is the deadly, awful, rotten sinner that you are. And that is true. But you know what the scripture says who you really are? The scripture says, John chapter 1, verse 12, you are now a friend of God. The scripture also says you are a son of God. The scripture also says you're a daughter of God. You're a child of God. The New Testament does not now refer to those who are in Christ as sinners. The New Testament now refers to those who are in Christ as saints. That is who God says you are. And here's how you overcome this third enemy in your life. You let what Christ says be the final word, not your feelings. Some of you are having difficulty with the shame in your life. And God's final word over you 
is that you are a child of God. You are a friend of God. You are now a saint, perfected forever. And some of you allow that shame to continue to dominate your life. Listen to what Colossians chapter 2 says about you and what Christ did for you. Verse 13, when you were dead in your sins. Remember Lazarus? Four days in the tomb. Four days in the tomb, rotting, stinking, bacteria beginning to set in. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, what did God do? He made you alive in Christ. He forgave your sins. Verse 14, having canceled the charge of your legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Verse 15, and having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You're not the one this morning that needs to live in shame. When the enemy comes to you and says, you're not worthy, You are unlovable. How dare you think you can step into that church? How dare you believe that God would accept you? You look back at the enemy and you can say back to them, I am already clean because of the word spoken by Jesus. That's the third enemy this morning. The first is false vines. The second is loss. The third is shame. But then there's a fourth enemy starting in verse 4. Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit, listen to what he says, by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, here it is, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Now, underline this if you actually brought a Bible this morning. The last thing Jesus says in verse 5. Apart from me, what does he say? You can do everything. Pull yourself up by the bootstrap, move to LA, and believe it's all dependent on you. If you just work hard, if you just hustle, if you just outwork the competition, it's all up to you, and you can do everything. That's not what he says. Apart from me, you can do what? What does he say? Now, it's kind of weak this morning. (laughs) Apart from me, you can do what? You know, there's something in you. There's something in me that doesn't want to be dependent. Something in us that just doesn't want to be dependent. Tim Tebow once said, I love him. Thankful for the movie he made just recently. Hope he comes and preaches for us one day. My wife grew up with his family. This is no shame and shock against him, but I don't like the statement. He says, sometimes hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. That's great, but can I say to you this morning, you can work hard and it still not be up to you. Listen, Listen to me. In our Western culture, in our Western mindset, we love this individualistic idea that if I just work hard, it will all come together. The fourth enemy that will keep you disconnected from Jesus every single time is the enemy of self-sufficiency. And you need to confront your lack of dependence on God. 
This idea of self-sufficiency will keep us in the corner during the dark days of our life when we're living in sin and we know we're living in sin. This idea of self-sufficiency will keep us there until we believe, you know what, if I just get this right, I'm going to keep this hidden so that nobody knows. And once I get it right, once I overcome it, once I uh, uh, overcome the obstacle in my life, once I beat this thing in my life, I'll finally come out of the darkness and run to Jesus. The problem is, The gospel says in those days, you don't run from Jesus. You run to Jesus. Why? Because you're not independent of Jesus. You're dependent on him. The enemy of self-sufficiency will keep us disconnected from Jesus. You know the Old Testament character of Job? You know, the Old Testament character of Job went through a difficult time. He had three friends around him, giving him really bad advice. And Job comes to this place in his life before he comes back to God. And he says, you know what? I can just do this myself. He thinks he's independent of God. And in Job chapter 38, God has some questions for independent Job. Listen to what God says to Job. Where were you, Job, when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know, Joe. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together, Joe, and all the angels shouted for joy, who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and its bars in place, Job, when I said, this far you may come and no farther, here is where your proud waves stop. Job, have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? Have you, Job? Have you, son? You see, self-sufficiency is this mirage. We feel confident. I'm not saying don't feel confident this morning. We feel strong. I'm not saying don't feel strong this morning. You may believe that your life and your future is in your hands and how you work and what you do. But can I say to you this morning, it is not. 17 years of ministry, story after story, Tragedy after tragedy. I tell you stories of families devastated when the two-year-old child fell down the stairs and died. Story after story. Tragedy after tragedy. A family that was ripped apart when their child died in the driveway because a parent was backing up and did not see the child. Story after story. Tragedy after tragedy. The tears, the crying from wives and children when dad didn't wake up. We believe it's all in our hands. It's really not. We're not independent beings. We are dependent beings on God. The story of Dave Ramsey, if some of you follow his work. Years ago, millions and millions of dollars in real estate. It looked like he had life kicked in the pants. Everything was looking up until his mortgages were sold to another company. And another company called the loans on the mortgage. And he thought, as long as it was all in my hands, all in my control, it would all work out. But listen to me, it wasn't. And it's not in yours either. Jesus says, apart from me, 
you can do what? Nothing. You must confront the reality of your inability to produce, to control your life. Can I even go further to say this idea that you may somehow manipulate God? <laughs> if I just give a little more, if I show up a little more, I'm a little more consistent, you cannot manipulate God. God is not dependent on your faithfulness. But you are dependent on him for everything. If you can begin to recognize these four disruptors, these four disconnectors in your life, false vines, loss, shame, self-sufficiency, begin to walk through these disconnectors, you can maintain a relationship with God that is supernatural. When? When his word becomes personal to you. His fellowship becomes consistent to you. His power becomes available to you. And I want to say to you this morning, this is the life that you need. This is the life that you desire. Just staying connected. Pastor Matt, how do I know that I'm abiding in Christ? How do I know that I'm connected to Jesus? How do I know if I'm allowing my mind and my will and my affections to be filled with Christ? Read with me in verse 10 and I'm almost done. Jesus says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept the Father's commands and remain in his love. The enemy of obedience is independence. The enemy of obedience is independence. But the expression of abiding here that Jesus is calling you to, the expression of abiding is dependence. Ultimately, it's obedience. The essence, the evidence, the fruits that you are abiding in Jesus, what he's talking about here, the essence of that, the evidence of that, the fruit of that is simple obedience to Jesus and his word. So hard. Because we'll walk out of here and believe, man, that's a strong word and I need to abide in Jesus and obey Jesus. But you'll walk out of here today and tomorrow and say, I'll get to it next week and eventually when I feel like it. And I want to say to you, you'll never feel like it until you begin to practice simple obedience to Jesus and his word. You'll keep calling in and asking questions like, I just don't feel like Jesus is close. I just don't experience the fruit in my life. You'll never experience the fruit, external fruit, internal fruit, until you begin to walk in simple obedience to Jesus. Simple obedience obedience that actually says, you know what? I will surrender my life to Jesus, even to the pruning knife of you, Jesus, when you want to cut away everything in my life that is disloyal to you. When you want to cut away everything in my life that keeps me from being connected to you. How are you doing in your simple obedience to Jesus, obeying his words to you? Have you been running to a false vine today? Believing this is going to give me life. It's going to give me hope and joy and peace and purpose. Have you experienced loss in your life? 
You're wondering why God would allow those things to happen to you. Is the enemy convincing you that you, how dare you even show up in church today? You don't deserve it. You remember what you did last night. You know what you're planning for tomorrow. How dare you? And when God takes some things away in your life, you begin to experience shame and guilt. You begin to wonder, how, how can God love me? How can he care for me? You begin to distance yourself from God, and then you begin to believe, well, I'll just do this thing on my own. Once I get back to the place that I previously was, was, then maybe I'll have a closer relationship with Jesus. But what would happen in your life today? What would happen in our church today? What would happen if you just stayed connected? It's possible. It's possible. Listen to the last word Jesus wants to say to you this morning, and I'm done. Verse 11. Listen to what he says. Everything we've just read. I have told you this. Everything you've just read. I am the vine. You are the branch. I am the true vine. No, apart from me, you can do nothing. Talking about pruning. I have told you this. Why? So that your joy, my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. It's possible today. It's possible today if you will just stay connected. This is a word for you today, Christian. Stop disconnecting yourself every day, thinking eventually I'll get to it. Today is the day. You don't need any more religion. You need connection. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to close us out. I'm going to take communion here this morning. Just bow your head in just a reverent moment, a prayerful moment. I want to ask a question to you. Maybe this morning you found your way into church. Maybe you've been finding your way into church for a long time. The Spirit of the living God has confronted your reality with the fact that maybe you've never had a relationship with Jesus in the first place. This talk of abiding is sort of nonsense to you because you've never established a relationship never trusted your life to Jesus. You've never been saved, as the scripture says in Romans chapter 5. Maybe today is the day for that to happen. Nothing magical about it, mystical about it. We don't stand you on the stage, make you say anything you don't want to say. Maybe you need a moment with the Lord this morning. Say, Jesus, I recognize who I am before you. I have sinned against you in need of forgiveness and salvation. Today, Jesus, I repent of my sin, the scripture says in Romans chapter five, which means I turn from it. I turn to you. I trust you with my sins, believing I deserve the death that you died and I don't deserve the life that you want to give me. But today, Jesus, I desire the life you want to give me. So I trust my sins to you. Jesus, would you save me and forgive me and assign your righteousness to me. Maybe you need to be saved today. Oh, I pray it happens for some of you today. That's your desire. I just want to encourage you to have a moment with the Lord as we sing, expressing that desire for salvation. As soon as this service is over, there are people at the connect table that want to meet you, help you begin a relationship with God, give you a Bible and a book to begin walking with God. That's you this morning. Spend a moment in prayer, asking Jesus to save you and meet us at the connect table immediately afterwards. Now, and I'm almost done. For those of you who say you're a believer this morning, I am begging you, 
I'm begging you to just stay connected. The life you need, the life you want, the life you desire can only come when you're dependent on God daily, abiding, to remain in the same place over a period of time, to abide in Jesus, allowing your mind, your will, your affections to consistently remain in Christ and His Word. Ask Him for His help, Spirit of the living God, to help you begin abiding in Him, remaining consistent in who He is. Jesus, thank You for this day. Thank You for the Scripture this morning. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for another day to gather, lift you up and look to you, believing when we look to you, we can be transformed. And so God, today, we look to you because you are the true vine and we are the branches. Would you give us life today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We're going to walk into a time of communion now. Down front, there's two tables. Up front, there's a gluten-free option. Communion is our opportunity to remember the body that was broken, the blood that was shed for us. Last week we celebrated Jesus' ultimate defeat of death and sin and shame. Today we remember that. So we take the bread, we drink the juice, we have a moment of remembrance and gratefulness in our heart of what He did for us. If you're not a believer this morning, can I say to you, we're glad you're here. I'd like to ask you just to use this moment be in prayer, a prayerful moment, an observant moment. But the table, the communion table this morning is reserved for those who know Jesus in remembrance of what he's done for us. Jesus, thank you for your body, the bread. Thank you for your blood, the juice. We take this in remembrance of you, God, joyfully, gratefully, the sacrifice you made, your generosity on the cross on behalf of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.